It's me, Roz. Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm, I can't believe this, but I did not even see this. It turns out that there was the ninth sighting of Miss Loch Ness Monster this year alone. And I saw this article that was actually posted at the beginning of August on The Mirror, the UK tabloid. And, uh, okay, so it says that somebody named Colin Vcock was scanning the water with his binoculars, and he noticed something that was two-thirds across the lock, and he realized that it was easily the length of the handrail at the rear of the boat, which led him to assess that he saw what he saw was nearly two feet high and 10 to 12 feet long. He said the same was witnessed by two other families. So, okay, so she's 12 feet long. I don't know. For some reason in my mind, I always thought that she was like gigantic, like 60 feet or something. But okay. All right. All right, Miss Nessie. I'm listening. It says also a man and his daughter from Chester reported seeing an unidentified movement in the lock on July 19th. Okay, so she's trying to be seen. Six of the sightings this year have been by the lock's webcam. Okay, so she's a cam model. I see. Scientists have earlier claimed that they've solved the mystery and that she could possibly just be a giant eel. The official register has now logged 1,139 sightings from records and other evidence stretching back through the centuries. So I don't know. Cause, so we talked about last year, there was those sonar images that are like the most compelling evidence of, of Loch Ness Monster yet. But I can't decide. Maybe she's starting to finally want to step out and, and have the world see her. But it's kind of... I kind of feel like this is that paparazzi culture that... We need to just let the stars live their lives. Let's not, you know, if she wants us to see her, she'll let us see her. But other than that, I say, let her be. Let her enjoy whatever she's got going down there. But I'm still waiting for, like, you know, if, we, if, we've, got, if we've got news to report on her, I want to see her. I want to see her. I want to see eyeballs. How about that? I want to see eyeballs. That's when I'm going to really believe it. I also wanted to read a Facebook group ghost story that was posted in our Facebook group called Ghosted by Roz Dressvelez. This comes from Celia. Hey, Celia. Who writes, While staying at a friend's cabin in the mountains recently, My partner was outside and everyone else was still asleep while I was in the bathroom upstairs. The stairs would creak when anyone came up or down and I didn't hear anything, but suddenly 
the bathroom door flung open forcefully, and I saw a pair of legs with bare feet and what looked like a white cloth wrapped around them at the knees. I screamed, damn, babe, can't you knock? And I slammed the door shut. I thought it was my partner with a white towel wrapped around him since I knew he had been swimming. The energy just hovered outside the door and I could see shadows where feet would be, but no one said anything and a chill ran down my spine. That's when I realized I never heard anyone come up the stairs. I started getting nervous and I said, okay, this isn't funny. Stop being creepy. Again, there was nothing. I opened the door and no one was there. My partner was still outside and my friends were still sound asleep. Also at that point, I realized that there weren't any white towels in the cabin and none of us brought any that were that color. We think that this was an apparition because my friends stayed in that room of the cabin last time they were there and my friend woke up from a night terror in that room and saw a shadow figure hovering over him between the bed and the window. I think the white cloth I saw may have been a dress instead of a towel, so we think maybe there's a female presence. Other experiences that my friends have had there. Fucking circus music, the creepiest of all. Waking up to the sound of a woman sobbing and male voices talking to each other. There are some other cabins nearby, but nowhere near close enough to make these type of sounds at an audible level, and they all sounded like they were coming from within the house itself. I think I saw my first apparition of legs. Eek! Thank you, Celia, for sharing that story. It reminds me of when I had on Jess Ambrose, and we were talking about how you often see ghosts from the waist up, and how come you never just see a pair of legs walking around? But yeah, it makes sense that you could just see that. Ooh, ghost legs. Okay, so today I have got Ben de la Grimm, who you may know from RuPaul's Drag Race, RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars. I love Ben de la Grimm. And I reached out. Dela was like, um, I, kinda, I like ghosts. I don't really have much stories. Turns out she's got stories. And then after we recorded this, she sent me a message and she's like, oh, I've been listening to the podcast and I have more stories. So she's like, oh, I'm thinking of all these other ones. The wheels are turning. And so I'm like, okay, well, you're going to have to come back at some point, hopefully. Plus, I mentioned last week at the end of my conversation with R.H. Davis that it's just like so it blew my mind that it turns out that the week after I talked to R.H. Davis I talked to Ben de la Graham, who has been to R.H. Davis it's just like it was like such a weird like what some kind of synchronicity I I asked the universe to, to be able to talk to someone that has been to R.H. Davis. And 
this all worked out. It's just crazy. It blew my mind when this happened. So you get to hear about that today. And as always, if you want to hear a little bit extra, go to patreon.com slash And in this bonus clip on my second tier this week, I found a recent Bigfoot video that the two of us talk about. It was the Bigfoot allegedly was captured on camera in a river in Michigan and the two of us kind of analyze it. You know, two drag queens analyzing Bigfoot footage. I mean, come on, the content I create. And then we also do the unexplained phenomena thing. So we talk about UFOs and time travel and haunted dolls and that kind of stuff as well. Okay, here we go. My conversation with Ben De La Creme. On with the show! I am joined... By Ben Delagram. Hello. Hi. How are you? How are you? I am so good. You know, I don't know you as well as I wish I did, but I'm a huge fan. Thank you. I'm a huge fan of yours as well. I'm, but we're going to start knowing each other really soon now that I live in LA. Yes. I'm going to make you go to the flea market with me at 5 a.m. Girl, I am the flea market queen. I'm so happy to find somebody else that can be on my level. I'm Because okay. here's what you'll learn about L.A. is that, you know, we really are kind of like laid back. There's a lot of, oh, it's hard to get out of bed, you know. And I, I'm not like an early riser or anything, but for a flea market, I can I could do that. And oh, yeah. it's hard for me. The, probably the reason I usually don't do that is because I can't find anyone to go with me that because nobody ever wants to wake up that early. But I am that person. I'm 100% that person. You know, also, I just want to say, like, I've been such a fan of you since um, I think the first time I saw you was uh, in Mean Girls when Peaches did it and you came to Seattle and I was still living in Seattle at the time and you like blew me away. Oh, my God. Thank you. Seriously. That was so fun. Don't tell like Willem or Kimchi, but you stole the show. Oh, thank you. How's everything going? First of all, How, how are you feeling going back into the world? I'm not really doing it yet. Like, it's like, I keep talking to people and they're like, you know, I I don't know, like now that I live in LA, which is like super weird to be like, you know, we moved right before the pandemic and now we're like coming out of quarantine, but also like in a new city and it's like, meet new people, go new places. And I, um, you know, and it's not like I don't have friends here, but they're just not like established hangout friends. Like they're friends who have always been in a different city. So people like invite me out and then I'm I'm that person who like makes plans like two weeks out. And then like the night before is like, oops, sorry, something came up. But what came up is my like agoraphobia. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally get that. Especially after the pandemic, it's like I- I'm now so used to it's like. I could hang out with you or I could hang out with you uh, with no pants on, with like food on my face and we can just talk on the phone. Yeah. So which one? Or like if you're willing to witness me that way in person and if I'm comfortable enough with you to like have food on my face, then like great. Come over. Yeah, exactly. Well, I want to talk to you about the paranormal. Yeah. What do you... (laughs) What uh what are your thoughts on the paranormal? You know, I'm one of I was about to say I'm one of those people, but I like don't even know if there's categories of whatever. But anyway, um I my feelings are that I do feel like I have had 
paranormal experiences in my past. And I do feel like there are potential like explanations for things, but I'm not like a cynic. Like I'm not, I don't see the point in like trying to debunk paranormal stuff because like, why would that be less valid or real? But I'm also not like a diehard, like, you know, pursuer of the paranormal. But, you know, mm-hmm. one of my favorite movies in the whole world is The Haunting from 1963, not, like, the terrible one that they made in the early 2000s or whatever it was. But um, but the one of the main characters, Dr. Markaway, is, like, a paranormal researcher, and he talks a lot about, rather than referring to it as the paranormal or rather the supernatural, he refers to it as the preternatural, which is just the idea not that it can't be explained, but that we can't explain it yet, which is like the same as the earth is flat, right? So it's just... Well, that's true, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. (laughs) Yes. I mean, that has yet to be debunked, but at some point it could be. That's the point. (laughs) I'm kidding. Anyone listening? Uh, Well, yeah, I mean, that's what I always think about... First of all, I think a lot of humans feel the need to have answers to everything, which I understand. Uh, It's comfort, it's safety, it's stability, it's all of that. But there's also so many things that, like, okay, for example, I always think about, like, Bigfoot or Loch Ness Monster or that kind of stuff. It's like, okay, if we figure out what that is, then it just becomes an animal. It's not like it's, you know, now it's not the paranormal it's like oh no that's just like a type of uh animal that we have that lives in those places it's just that we haven't figured that out yet right and we're discovering new species all the time totally i mean i couldn't name any of them if you put me on the spot but we're discovering them yeah exactly so have you ever encountered a ghost of your own Okay, so when I was a youth, um, my grandparents lived in this house in the middle of the woods in rural Connecticut, and their parents had lived there, and their parents had lived there, so it was like old family home in the spirit of like waspy New England life. Um, So when I turned seven, it was our turn to move there, and I'd spent every summer there since I was seven, and it was like the fucking worst because not only it was remote in the middle of nowhere and boring as hell it also was the creepiest house ever in like the most classical sense like it felt like a vincent price movie like the it was like dusty old faded wallpaper peeling off the walls creaky floorboards literal hallways lined with oil paintings of my creepy ancestors oh my Um, god Like, super, super creepy. And it was, like, the house was built in the 1700s, like, early, and then kind of had additions built onto it by the family over the years. And um, there was just, like, stuff everywhere. Like, there's, like, all these antiques that belonged to, like, our great-great-grandparents. And then, like, every generation would just pile more shit on top. So it was, (laughs) like, it was, like, fancy antique store hoarders and... Um, it was just like full on 
ghost movie. And it was because it had been added on to so much. It was like kind of vast and sprawling in this way that as a seven year old, I would like forget rooms were there and then like rediscover them like the secret garden. Super creepy. I actually brought my partner Gus there like a couple years ago and he was like, this house is straight out of a horror movie. It's so freaky. And I'm like, this house has been redone. Like they took off the, like all the creepy stuff is gone and it's still creepy as hell. So, um, so I was like, like I like wept like for days when I was told that we were going to move into this creepy house. And cause like, okay, there's all this history there. But that's, like, obviously super linked to energy, right? Whether it's ghosts or whatever it is, there's, like, energy. And my family is, like, my family history on my dad's side is, like, super tragic. Lots of mental illness, lots of, like, all sorts of sad stuff. So, um... So, like, all this, like, exists in this house, right? And there's this weird, like, allegiance of the family to, like, live there, which is also, like, kind of creepy in and of itself, even though all these terrible things happen in this house. So when I was little and we first moved in, at night I started seeing things. And, you know, of course that's really easy to chalk up to, like, oh, kids, you know. Um, it felt really vivid to me at the time. Like what I would see? see, well, I would see like, um, there were two things that really stick in my memory. One was in my bedroom, just like looking up into the darkness and seeing figures like in the upper corners of the room start to like creep out of the corners, like <gasps> spider like on the walls. Yeah. And they were like super, you know, it was that kind of classic, like spindly, skeletal, gray kind of demon looking thing. And I think about it and I'm like, at that time, did I have a point of reference for that? Like I wasn't watching horror movies. I wasn't seeing that, you know. So I'm like, you know, because kids like sort of play stuff over they see in their minds all the time. But like, I'm like, did I even... Was that even planted somewhere in my head? So that was something that would happen like all the time. It was so terrifying to me. But what was even scarier was multiple times being like terrified in my room of these things I was seeing and hearing my parents in the hallway and being like, oh my God, it's okay. My parents are here. Getting out of bed, going, opening my door, going into the creaky, scary hallway my parents standing there, me going to hug my mom, then opening my eyes, and I'm alone in the hallway. Wait a minute. Okay, wait, wait. so so you would be sleepwalking as you, and I then you would wake know. up? I don't know whether it was sleepwalking and waking up. I don't know whether it was, you know, I mean, again, it's like that's what I've chalked it up to forever is like sleepwalking, waking up, but... You know, the older I get and the more I'm, like, open to different ideas, I'm like, I don't fucking know. You know, like, I don't know if that was... I do feel like that house is full of, you know, like, again, whatever form it's taking, creepy-ass energy. And there's, like, energy, like, cycling over, right? And that's, like, what ghosts are, is just, like, repetition of a moment forever and ever and ever. Yeah, well, you know, what I've learned from having so many of these conversations with people is that... There's so much out there that's not just somebody dies in a house and then the energy lingers. It could be a lot of different things. Like, 
For example, maybe it could be that your parents were subconsciously astral projecting. Do you know much about that? No. That's like when you sleep and your spirit body, your astral body, leaves your physical body and can go do things. And a lot of people have this ability. A lot of people do it subconsciously. A lot of times I hear stories of people seeing the ghost of their partner or someone that they know that they live with, and then all of a sudden they disappear. And it's... it's um, yeah, it's like a subconscious thing that that happens, but it appears to be like a ghost of someone that is still alive. Now, that's one thing that could happen. Another thing that could happen is a an energy of sorts that people report that kind of impersonates um, uh, humans. You know, impersonates loved ones to to draw you in, which is that's, that's a more sinister always- thing. Because it was so terrifying, and that's always, like, how it felt. It always felt like a like a creepy trick had been played on me, you know? Because whatever you're describing, creepy crawling in the corner, that doesn't even sound like a human. A no. human energy. It sounds like something otherworldly. For sure. And that's how it felt. You know, and it was one of these, it's never like I was, like, you know, I couldn't describe one of those figures to, like, a sketch artist. It was just, like, kind of, you know, dark, amorphous, um, you know, which feels very in keeping with, like, the kinds of figures people describe on, like, paranormal experience shows and stuff. Yeah. But, um, but, yeah, no, it definitely didn't feel like a spirit of something. Um, you know, and then... So actually, to skip ahead, I, you know, for a long time, just like kind of didn't think about any of that. And then when I did think about it, I was like, kids and their imaginations, you know. But so recently, like maybe, I don't know, a month or two ago, I went to an exorcist here in L.A. Wait a minute. What? Yeah, I went to an exorcist. She's actually specifically like... um. Okay, so she's a non-denominal exorcist. Wait, wait, wait. Is this R.H. Davis? Oh, my God, yeah. Oh, my God, wait a minute. This is the most insane thing ever. She's a good friend of the pod. Just had her on uh, last week's episode. But (laughs) I just had her on last week, and I was telling her... Because I know that she's had, like, a lot of celebrity clients and a lot of people. And I was saying, oh, I'm... I really want to talk to like a celebrity or someone that has been to you. This is yeah. insane. Yeah. So it's actually it's funny because um her partner is a is a very old friend of mine and so we got reconnected with her when I moved to LA and then she was like, "Oh, this is my partner the exorcist." So um first of all, so her yeah. book is incredible. You should read her book. It's really good. It's all I know about... I haven't read it yet. It's okay. Um okay, so I'm dying to hear about this. Tell us as much as you're comfortable sharing, but I want to know about this process. Well, it's very, it's very intense, you know, and it's very like vulnerable. I was super nervous going into it and, um, you know, like, and she is just like wonderful. Like her energy is really great and calming, but also like authoritative in a way that you feel like you're in good hands. Right. Totally. So, um, you know, so I, I went to her place and it was funny cause her partner was like, 
just like in the front yard and we just like sat down and she just I was all like a mess like oh my god what's about to happen and she's literally just like how are you doing like how is Gus like you know just having like very normal chit chat with me (laughs) and in my brain I'm like this is this is very weird that this is so normal to her you know normal yeah And then Rachel comes out and kind of joins the conversation. And it's just like very, you know, and in my head, I've been spinning all day about what this is going to be. And then, you know, in the middle of just like, how's your week been? It's suddenly like, okay, let's go do an exorcism. So we, um, we go into her, her like room where she performs the rituals. And, you know, I talked a lot to her about, like, I'd asked her lots of questions before I'd even decided that I wanted to do this. I asked her lots of questions, like, kind of about what is, like, what does the term exorcist mean in this scenario, you know? And she was telling me about, like, you know, like, clearly you've spoken to her on the pod, so it's like, right, we're not talking, like, a some sort of demon speaking through your body necessarily. She's looking at entities who attach themselves to you, who like she can see who may be causing like mayhem in your life. But the way she describes it is more of, you know, like she can see it, but it's like an external attachment almost rather than like them, like moving you through your body, Mm -hmm. but their attachment can affect your behaviors. Um, And it can affect and the attachments can like come from any number of places and like trauma can attract an attachment or a, a you know, an, an entity. Um, so that was like really interesting to me. And I started being like, okay, what, what things in my life that I've like struggled with are potentially, you know, a result of this. Um, you know, and again, it's like, it's not a thing that I was like, whoa, I hear this, I 100% am like, yes, this is what's happening, I believe in it in a, like, really active way, but it's more like a, this, to me, this feels like there's no reason this would be less true than anything else, right? Like, I have gone to a therapist for a long time, I, like, take meds for bipolar, right? Like, if I believe in neuroscience and, like, talk therapy, then, like, why not, you know? Um... So, uh, so we go into her space and she kind of first talks me through what it's going to be. She kind of like says, you know, how, how we're going to go about this. And then, um, the next step was she was like, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions about your life and then I'm going to be. Or no, I'm going to ask you a couple questions about your life, but as you answer them, I'm not going to be looking at you. I'm going to be looking to the spirits, whatever is present, who's, you know, and I'm paraphrasing this and I like, I'm sure that she would listen to this and be like, oh my God, you're saying that wrong. But um, (laughs) this is the vibe. Um, Well, she has her own like language, you know, because what she does is like something that I don't think anybody else really does. So she kind of has her own terms for different things. And exactly. I'm sure I'm getting them all wrong. Um, but 
the good news is she has a book and there's you can you can definitely you could listen to the two times she's been on this show like people if people are curious there's ways of figuring this out what her process yeah. is like more decoding my babble i <laughs> but so she's basically like i'm going to listen to these spirit guides and i'm going to they are going to be answering as you're answering and their answers may not be the same as yours so she started asking me about my childhood and I'm telling her the story of just kind of like this happened, then this happened, then this happened. Just like, you know, physically where my body moved through space and how it felt, you know. And, you know, after asking me a series of questions, she's like, okay, this is this is how these other spirits present answered these questions. And in some ways it was the same. In some ways, it was very different. But one of the things she brought up that I had not brought up at all because I did not talk about any of the stuff that I have talked to you about thus far is she said to me, when you were very young, you were able to see entities and spirits present. You like had this connection and you had this ability and this openness. And over the years you were told that this was, you know, silly and ridiculous and in your head. And so you stuffed it down and you no longer have that access, but you can have it if you develop it. So how do you feel about that? Do you want to develop it? I think that, you know, when you're a kid... It's like you don't have control over anything in your life, right? It's like you're at the mercy of the adults in your life. Like you're you're still forming as a human being. Your brain is still taking shape, right? So it's like, you know, you're at the mercy of, I mean, we're all at the mercy of like our moods and our brains and our physical selves, but like even more so as a child. So like you don't have control over anything. So why would you have control over something like that? Right. But as an adult, I have tools, I have intention, I have critical thought. And so if I were to go back down that route, I think that, you know, I can, I have people like Rachel who I can look to, to help do that in a way that has intention and is not as scary and dangerous feeling. So I am interested in that. Uh. I don't know quite how I want that to happen, but I'm definitely at a point in my life where I'm wanting to reconnect to a greater sense of spirituality in general. Um, uh. You know, I have cultivated my brain for for so long in terms of uh, self-reflection. As I said, I've been in therapy for many years. I'm like, you know, I tend to really over-intellectualize things. Like when I'm even writing shows, it's very like research heavy. And, you know, so, so that's the part of my brain I'm really comfortable with. And I feel like I'm at this moment where I'm like, oh, you know, I mean, whatever, I'm about to turn 40, maybe it's a midlife crisis, but I'm ready to like kind of explore this other way of um, looking at my relationship to the world around me and my sort of inner life, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, my God. This I'm thinking so much about when you were a child and because I did I wasn't going to say it at first, but the, what you described to me in the corner of your bedroom as a child it sounds so much like what she describes 
of like entities and stuff like kind of creepy crawly things like that yeah yeah you know and i have not again i have not spoken to her directly about any of those experiences or what i feel like i saw you know she's Um, the real deal huh yeah i mean i am i just really i mean i feel like you know something that's so amazing about her is it's like her knowledge and her um abilities she is so clear and confident in them that it does it just is like okay yeah like this has validity and weight and i there is no reason i should not like explore this in the same way i would explore anything that you know in my mind i've rationalized already you know mhm yeah, I, I feel, um, you know, I, and I, for me too, it's like, I think in metaphor a lot. And, you know, part of that is just comes from being a writer, but, but I think there's a reason, right? Like there's a reason that we, we try to make whatever we try, we as a species try to make sense out of things through storytelling. Right. And that's like where religion comes from. That's where, you know, and that's where science comes from, uh, you know, although it's, you know, I would not qualify that as storytelling. It's still like this need for like a, a narrative explanation, a narrative story around something. And so I, so anyway, I make a lot of links. Right. And like, to me, what she's describing with like, you had, something innate as a kid and you were like shamed around it and have it stuffed down. Like that's also the queer experience. Right. So it's like in, in, in what ways are those things linked, you know? And I have like 5 billion thoughts on, you know, how, like I actually wrote a show, um, about a haunted house called beware the terror of Gaylord Manor. And it's like super campy and sticky and all of this stuff. But ultimately it's like using, uh, ghosts and monsters as like a metaphor for the queer experience and ghosts specifically as a metaphor for the way that we're like, you know, shamed about things early on. And then we repeat these stories over and over. And those stories keep us trapped and keep us from moving forward in the same way that, you know, which is like, uh, and I just feel like there's a link there's, you know, I don't know what it is, but there's a reason that these queer stories and ghost stories feel parallel hmm. Yeah. I mean, it also makes you think, well, what else have I stuffed down since childhood or, yeah. you know, that that innocent brain that has been clouded by so much of society telling me what I should and shouldn't do? I mean, that's what coming to terms with my gender identity as I've gotten older. It's like, oh, this is stuff I've known this whole time. It's just you, society gets in the way and life gets in the way. And then you, as you get older, you're like, okay, time to reconnect. Like, I'm in charge here and I want to explore. And it's the beauty of life, baby. Yeah, I mean, that's been my experience as, like, a queer person in terms of, I mean, just how I relate to my own queerness, but also as an, as an artist, you know, because when I make the best work, it looks the most like how my imagination ran wild when I was a child. You know, Mm -hmm. I feel like so much of growing up is undoing what has, what the world has stifled that was just already inherently you, you know? Yeah. Wait, so do you feel that she and this might be too personal or whatever but did she remove 
anything from you or, you know, did she exercise any, any entities? Yeah, you know, so she did tell me that she saw one minor entity on me, and I don't remember the name of it, but the way she described it was as something that amplifies. So she said it's, like, not something to worry about. It's like, she was like, you know, we'll get rid of it here today. But this is, um, this is something that just sort of, uh, and again, I'm paraphrasing, and I'm sure she could describe it better, but... Um, but something that just kind of intensifies what you're feeling and what you're going through, right? Mm -hmm. Which is like, makes a ton of sense that that attachment would exist post pandemic. And like, you know, like during this, I mean, collectively traumatic time, right? And I don't know when that thing attached, but, you know, I mean, I... I was bonkers during the pandemic and afterwards and still, you know, in recovery, essentially. And I think a lot of people are. But um, but that perfectly made sense to me that that would be present at this time. And, you know, without going into too much detail about the ceremony itself, I call it a ceremony. I do not know that she would call it that. But it <laughs> I but it felt um it felt like a spiritual ceremony to me in the ways that like, you know, the limited knowledge I have of like, you know, I don't know, like indigenous cultures and stuff, you know? Uh, but, you know, she was like calling on various spirits and energies and, um, to, to come and move things through me. And I don't pretend to understand all of it, and I also, you know, one of the things she talks about afterwards is she's like, you know, this is one step, but it is up to you to, like, cultivate this connection. Like, she essentially connects you to maybe some things you've been blocked around, but, like, it's up to you to maintain that openness. And she has, like, sort of a, a spiritual practice that if you go to her Instagram, there's several posts that kind of outline it, but it's just something you do a few minutes a day and you kind of call on spirit or whatever your, you know, kind of power is and just kind of ask to be open, ask to be connected with, ask to be communicated with and Again, it's like whether that to me is like a physical, whether that's like a physical spirit like coming to me in that sense, or if that's just like an energetic reminder for me to like be more aware of the energies around me and the spirituality of the world and what my intuition is telling me. Like it kind of to me doesn't matter which thing that is, you know? Right. See, when I hear her talk about this stuff, I view it as like, an incredible, like, she doesn't look at it like this, but like a life coach or something where yes. she's basically like, you got to keep the vibration up. Basically, you got to take good care of yourself and you got to be a good person or the demons are going to be, you're going to look sexy to the demons and they're going to cling on to you. So you need to like repel them through your positivity is sort of one of the things that I take away from what she has to say. Yeah, like, I think the most skeptical version of it is still just, like, it's it's a language and it's a lens through which to reconnect to your 
intuition and your connection to the world around you, you know, whether that's just like nature or, you know, like listening more to yourself, reconnecting with those, those childhood understandings that maybe have been, uh, you know, shamed out of you over the years. I mean, even if that's all that's happening, that's like a really important thing to do. And ultimately, again, I just like actually don't care whether it's that or like a physical spirit, you know? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. Uh, It's sort of like with a lot of religions or probably all religions or most, it's like, just be a good person. And it's like, if you need to call it a religion or not, it's like, ultimately, I think we all just want to be our best selves. It's just a matter of how you get that message, you know, maybe it's totally. And it's like when religion is useful is when, again, it's like a lens to look through to help you be a better person, be more connected, be more aware of the idea of like community responsibility to community and responsibility to yourself. And when religion gets like dangerous and messed up is when people start to be like, yes, this physical thing happened, this, you know, man rose out of a cave, you know, like, like, that's, like, that's when religion starts to get weaponized is when people are taking it too literally. Right, right. And there's a very fun line between that and a good ghost story, though, you know, it's like... I mean, it is a ghost story. Is there even a line? Where's the line? I guess the only difference is that... um, I am not a registered church. If anyone is listening to this podcast, do not take this as doctrine. We, I just share lots of ghost stories. Speaking as a registered church, I'm saying I'm 100% right about everything. <laughs> well, so have you, um, now that you have, you're on this journey, it sounds like, how do you feel about going to a haunted place? Are you excited or or do you get scared? Like, what do you, how do you approach that? I have like zero desire to go to a haunted place. Like (laughs) I don't even want to go to my dad's house. Right. He still lives in that creepy ass house. Um, but right. Cause it's like, if you, I mean, for me, I'm sure there are people who have different experiences and different reasons for wanting to go, but I'm like, what I'm interested in connecting with is not, something that's like dwelling in one of those spaces because who knows what's there. I'm interested in connecting with anything that's like interested in connecting with me, you know? Mm, okay. Cause like, yeah. I don't need to go, like I don't need to like go on somebody's turf and have them yell, get off my lawn. Right. Like I don't want the like ghost version of that. Right. Well, cause th- th- that's the thing that as you develop like a mediumship or like being able to connect with the spirit world the the part that always scares me about that, because I feel like I, I could do that as well. I think we all probably could connect more in that way if we wanted to. But I what I get nervous about is turning it on and off and being able to have control of it. Because, like, you know, someone like you, you travel around the world. You're in hotel rooms. You're in old theaters. You're in you know, all these different places where there's probably at least one spirit lingering around. And oh, it's a matter yeah. of do you want to be open to them or not? <laughs> I mean, certainly not in hotels. I will tell you that, like, I have never, like, seen a thing in a hotel. But there are just some hotel rooms that have given me a vibe that I am like, nope, not interested. I need to get some sleep so I can get back to the airport and, like, whatever is trying to happen right now, I am, like, fully, like, in, nope, block it, not interested, no thank you. Have you ever had a theater ghost experience? 
You know, I personally have not, but I love, but I, but I have heard stories from so many people and I love like the weird, interesting, I mean, I guess it's not weird, but there's such a theater culture around ghosts. Like, have you talked with anybody about the like ghost light tradition? Oh, yes. It's so weird and like fascinating, but also like why would that even exist if that were not, you know, like, it's clearly a major issue. Like, they, you know, I mean, especially union theater is so expensive. If somebody's going to set up a light, you better have a good reason. I So basically, they, they put a light on stage when the place is closed down that they just keep on at all times. Yeah, and it's super creepy. Like, the light itself is, like, it's on a stand. It has, like, a cage around it. I mean, I'm sure there's other versions of this, but this is what I've seen in most theaters. And it just, like, sits in the middle of the stage and, like, casts an eerie glow which to me i'm like that feels like it makes it worse but okay <laughs> but what um, is what is the um like superstition behind that just that it like i don't know that it keeps the ghosts away or happy i mean i literally <laughs> don't know what the origin of like why a light would like also like nobody's there why not let them just do their thing you know like give them give them a minute it's their space too right it's the off hours but um but yeah, so I, I don't know, but I love that it's a thing and it's like does not matter whether anyone who works in the theater is even remotely superstitious. They still do it. Oh, yeah. Well, I think that whether people want to admit it or not, like superstition is just a part of theater culture. Oh, for know? sure. Like there's just so much of that. And and a lot of it is tradition. Like, what if we don't do this tradition that we do every time before the show? Like, that's, like, superstitious. It's sort of uh, paranormal or whatever, I guess. And, you know, oh, don't say the Scottish play. You know, the, there's right. just all these things that are superstitious. But I think also so much of it has to do with the fact that most old theaters are haunted. Oh, 100. I, my friend, uh, Scott, who is a very, very close friend who I've done a, a lot of work and writing with, um, in Seattle, there is a theater called Theater Off Jackson, and it's just like a small, um, like, you know, it's like a, a small kind of black box. And, but there, there is a backstage, unlike most black box theaters, that is just kind of like behind the curtain. And Scott has told me so many stories about the time, like various times that he has specifically seen. And it sounds so silly, but he says it with like the most intense, like it is like one of the scariest things that's ever happened to him. A baby hand. Ew. Yeah. It's like a baby hand and it moves the curtains. Okay. So like, so do you think it's a baby or is it like that Kristen Wiig character with the baby hands? Oh, I had not even thought of that, but like, yeah, I mean, I feel like the stuff that's mounted there, um, in terms of like what kind of shows are put up is very in the spirit of that Lawrence Welk sketch. So, Oh uh, my God. A baby hand. A baby hand. No. Well, do you Isn't know, that spooky? Did you ever hear or experience the ghost of Rebar in Seattle? No, I've heard a million stories and I've worked in Rebar. And actually, Scott works in Rebar more than I do, the guy I'm talking about. Um, and I've heard... I've heard tons of stories... Or not even stories. I've just heard so many people talk about the ghost in Rebar, but I actually don't know that I've ever been told a super specific story because I can't 
Have you heard stories about Rebar? Oh, yeah. I've, I've definitely heard stories about that place. It has a long history. There's actually a really good article. Um, I have it here. It's from um, seattle.curbed.com. And it's all about the history and the different, the different uh, incarnations of that building. But there's a leather daddy ghost there is what... There's that a, tracks. A, apparently, there's a lot of different... Wait, actually, I have here... Uh, former owner Carla Stricker. Yeah, uh, Carla's a-, a friend. I love her. Yeah, aka uh, DJ MC Queen Lucky. She says one time after closing, one of our bartenders was locking up the office door. The lights were out, and her back was to the dance floor. She felt someone behind her, turned around, and saw a woman's face in front of her. The bartender got the distinct feeling that the woman was mocking her, laughing at her for being startled. Then this figure sort of got sucked into a little light, like old TVs when you turn them off. The screen would shrink into a little light and then blink off. That is how the figure disappeared. But there's like a lot of good stories in this article here. And then, yeah, it says many people have said there's a BDSM daddy ghost here. You know, I feel like I have heard that in the past. I feel like, which which I'm very into. Well, now it's like I want to go talk to Scott and Carla about. I want. I need them to give me the dirt. I want to do a live show this. there. Ugh. They, it's gone. Is it officially gone? I didn't know. It's that. officially gone. It's Ugh. so sad. I mean, Rebar honestly was the best queer performance space in Seattle. It housed all the most like legendary acts. It was, you know, that's where Dina Martina got her start and always Ugh, did her shows. Her. That's where Brown Derby happened. That's and you know, and when people would tour through, you know, Jackie Beat, Sherry Vine, whatever, like that was the spot. And it's super sad, but um, but, you know, Seattle is being like every cool piece of Seattle culture is being completely destroyed by uh, Amazon. So every time you order from Amazon.com, remember that you're ruining my uh, life. <laughs> oh. Well, is it uh, are they demolishing the building or is it? Yeah, it's gone because they're just like building up. I mean, so, you know, basically Amazon came in and the population like quadrupled because right. all of these like young, you know, like. 20 something tech people were like suddenly flooding the city and because the city was flooded with people who just moved there it's like instant erasure of the culture because there's no point of reference right like everybody's like oh this is what seattle's like but they're all looking at each other so basically everything cool about seattle got like like within five years all of the queer neighborhood capitol hill was pretty much turned into like a brunch spot and um, but like, you know, like a brunch spot for like white ladies with strollers and, <laughs> um, and yeah, rebar was one of the longest holdouts. It was actually sort of like that house in up where it's like there's skyscrapers being built around this little dumpy gay bar oh. that was just like really still clinging. And, um, now it's gone. Cause it's like in an area where they're building all this housing for well, all these tech people. I hope that. There is scary leather daddies that are ghosts that are pissed about it. That are yeah. I hope they're haunting those people. I yeah. hope that that like creepy woman face is turning on and off like an old timey television in some twenty <laughs> something tech bros palatial condo. Yes. <laughs> Let's do another thing here. Uh, you want to hear some ghost voices? Do I ever? 
I mean, actually, kind of, no, not at all, but I'm ready. I'm willing. <laughs> it's time for EVPs or EV please. So I've got two of them here, and I want you to tell me what you hear, and then I'll give you some options of what this particular ghost hunter believes they've captured. So this first one comes from EVP Class ABC on YouTube, and it is at the Pioneer Square Best Western in Seattle, which is a turn-of-the-century boutique hotel said to be haunted. Pioneer Square is super haunted. So what is this saying? (laughs) Wait. Give me that again. That's just, that's, that's like cans behind a car after a wedding. (laughs) Oh my God. Let me do it again. It's like, I don't, I mean, I do not hear words. Okay. I'll give you some options and then maybe you'll be able to hear it now. Okay. So here's the first one. Is it a, what's up, bitch? (laughs) Is it B, butterfly kisses? Is it C, where's my wife? Or D, booger queen? Okay. Now that you've heard those, what do you hear now? (laughs) Still can't. I'm going to go with booger queen. (laughs) Booger queen! Uh, they believe it says butterfly kisses. Let me play what? it again. Let me play it again. I don't hear the kisses because I like hear I hear three either. syllables. I know it, it gets. I think it turns. I think it goes from being full voice to to whisper is what we're. To I don't believe. like. Is there? Did they like slow this down or like why? Why would anybody even interpret that as a voice? It sounds like pennies in a can i don't know okay here's one more this is from washington state paranormal society which their acronym is actually wops which i mean a ghost can have a wop too uh this is at the walker ames house which is in port gamble washington um and it's apparently a very spooky house that it's been around since 1889 and people you know, typical ghost stuff they report, like suspicious sounds, spooky feelings, physical touching, odd smells, apparitions. There's apparently ghosts that, little children ghosts in the attic and people leave them toys. So here is an EVP. What is it saying? Okay, wait, wait, wait. So this one's more of like a whisper and then you can hear a human say something for a second at the end. Um, I think the, like a humans responding, like, yeah, it's like just we don't have to the way I cut them. it up. It's, um, the whisper kind of goes into the human. So that's why I kept the human there just so we can hear okay. the full whisper. Um, it's saying a couple of different words, but here we go. All right, let me do it again. It's like, <sighs> any idea? One more time. One more time. <laughs> okay. Oh, my God. Well, the beginning sounds like gasp. 
right? I feel like they're saying the word gasp. Like, okay. I don't know if anybody remembers season six of Drag Race, but, um, but, uh, oh my God, what's wrong with me? Oh my God. <laughs> Every fan is going to murder me if I don't remember. Uh, Jocelyn Fox. Oh my God. I can't believe I forgot her name. Anyway, Jocelyn Fox, like in a challenge is supposed to gasp, but instead she reads the word gasp off the script. So that's oh, all I'm hearing. Oh my I'm God. Okay. Well, let me give you some options here. Is it a, no one's doing the dishes. Is it <laughs> B, this toy sucks. Is it C, that's not fair. Or D, gasp, womp, womp. All right, let me... (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay, one more time. Oh, my God, this is the hardest game I've ever played in my life. Well, these ones are a little bit hard, I'm not going to lie. I was trying to find some good Washington ones, and uh, this is where we ended up. Whatever, it's clearly gas pump womp. <laughs> they believe it's no one's doing the dishes. No one's doing the dishes. I mean I am just like not hearing that. I know. It's also easier like with headphones and we're doing this over Zoom, so I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. I'm just gonna rattle okay, off. But like also what were the circumstances? Was anyone doing the dishes? Apparently not. I don't know. This was in the I just feel like that's like we need contextual information. Well, they in did I, like, I didn't include this part because I'm always like, let's just hear the voice and see how clear it is. But they said it was in the kitchen of the house. So maybe that makes a little bit more sense. I don't know. I guess that lends credibility. (laughs) Okay. Well, you know what, Ben? This has been wonderful. And you're one of these people where I reached out to you and you're like, I don't really have any ghost stories. Girl, this is this is a (laughs) great episode. Well, then I like thought about it and I was like, oh, yeah, I guess I got some stuff. And then I was like, well, what I have to say will maybe take like 10 minutes. I don't know how we're going to fill the rest of the time. But now I'm like, I feel like we're going to. We're going to have to do sequels. Please. I would love to. Keep your eyes and ears open if uh, anything else happens and come on back and we'll talk about it. Yeah. I'm going to do Rachel's connection to spirit and see where it leads me. Ooh, Well, can you tell everybody, you know, where to find you and all that stuff? Yes, uh, you can uh, find me on all social media. Well, not really, because I don't use TikTok because I'm not from 500 years from now. But uh, <laughs> you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Ben De La Creme, all one word. And, um, you know, the next big thing I have going on is that I'm working on production for Jinx and my uh, holiday tour, which is November and December throughout the UK, US, and Canada. So go to jinxanddela.com if you want to find me. I probably... Well, like maybe we'll tell a Christmas ghost story. Maybe we'll do some Christmas carols. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's one of my favorite parts of Christmas. Oh, absolutely. And we had Jinx on around Christmas time last year. And I was just like raving about your special. And then you guys making a cameo. And uh, and what was the holiday movie? Was it called? Happiest Season. Happiest Season. You guys are the Christmas queens now. I love it. I know. Yeah, I'm really, um, I'm so excited to get back on the road with that because it really is like one of my favorite projects and I just look forward to it all year. So, you know, knock on wood, everything's gonna be in good shape by November. Yay! Thank you so much to Ben De La Creme. If you want to hear a little bit more, go to patreon.com slash Ross Dress for Less on my second tier. You can hear... 
You can hear us analyzing a Bigfoot video and talking about unexplained phenomena such as UFOs, time travel, haunted dolls, that kind of stuff. Please rate the show five stars on Apple Podcasts. And if you have a ghost story, you could leave it in a five-star review. I also would love to hear your ghost stories to be on future listener episodes. So please email me at ghostedbyroz at gmail.com. Subject line, listener episode. Give me a couple bullet points about the stories that you have and maybe we could work something out. I also have a Facebook group called Ghosted by Roz Dresfelez. Great place to leave a story, to connect with other people that like this weird, funky shit. I'm on Instagram at Roz Hernandez, cameo Roz Dresfelez. I love you all, both living and dead. But if I didn't ask you to haunt me, don't haunt me. Okay, bye! Star Avenue, a podcast, <clears throat> a podcast network.